Well, good morning. It's so great to be able to join with you today. I'm really excited to be able to share from God's Word. Uh, if you're joining with us for the first time, you've been invited here today and, and just or maybe stopped in to check out um, New Vine Church online, a huge welcome to you. Uh, my name's Luke. I'm one of the staff here, and uh, we've been going through a series on the book of Psalms in the Bible. We've called this Songs for Every Season, and we're about halfway through that today. We're going to be looking at a great psalm, but I actually want us to take a moment to look at the importance of this thing called Perspective. I wonder whether you've had someone talk to you much about perspective in your life, maybe as a reminder of uh, different times where you've lost perspective. But I'm sure most of you know how powerful a good dose of perspective is. Something uh, Monique and I find ourselves saying to our teenage son a heap of the time. Son, you need a good dose of perspective. You said that before? Well, usually we might consider perspective uh, maybe when we're in a state of complaining about our circumstances. Actually, it's probably usually others telling us to get some perspective when we're in this state. But regardless, taking a moment to consider life from the point of view of others, particularly those less fortunate than ourselves, can help us to really develop a sense of gratitude, maybe even develop positivity for the circumstances we might find ourselves in. Sleep, for example. I know if I... Um, am led to complain about a bad night's sleep. If I just think back to the moments where we had uh, young babies in the house who were terrible sleepers, uh, all of a sudden I become really grateful for the sleep I get to enjoy today. Now to all of you uh, families who are just welcoming new babies into your homes, um, we'll be praying for you because we know it's an exciting time, but we know it's a challenging time in regards to the lack of sleep and can be very draining. Now, well, as we go into this passage today, I'd like us to consider three different perspe perspectives that are illustrated in the text. And they are, firstly, an internal perspective, uh, also an external perspective, and then finally, an eternal perspective. Now, the reason why I want us to focus on perspectives is due to the fact that without different perspectives, we often don't get the whole story we have a blurry picture, but we don't really capture the whole thing, which then leads us to drawing up false conclusions. Example, if you look at this photo of the Duke, um, he was kind enough to send this photo, reinforcing that there are three perspectives that we're looking at today. Thanks very much for that, Will. Um, now, in reality, if you haven't seen this pic before, it was actually him leaving hospital with their third child, Prince Louis. And what he was doing is sort of saying, now we have thrice the trouble. Uh, I actually think what he was probably saying is, uh, look, now we'll be aiming for just three hours of sleep per night. Now this next photo, maybe this was Will showing what he thinks of getting three hours of sleep a night. Now in true fake media style, many conclusions were drawn concerning this pic. However, when you include the right perspectives, as you see here, these two different angles, two different perspectives of the same scene, uh, you can draw the right conclusions. Now, when it comes to drawing conclusions about our belief systems, we can also be prone to misunderstanding, especially when our beliefs and our experiences don't align. Now, I vaguely remember <laughs> This time as a very young kid, uh, maybe this is embarrassing to admit, I don't know, I'm sure everybody's been through this, but I had a, a Superman shirt and a cape. Now, when I had this on, I had this belief that I could actually 
fly. Now, unfortunately for me, that belief system came crashing down. Do you like the use of words there? Like this is literally crashing down the day I tried to fly off one of my neighbor's trampolines. Um, doing a belly flop on the hard ground certainly taught me a lesson not to do that again, but also crushed my belief system that I could fly with this cape on. I was reminded again the other day of how early our belief systems are formed regarding God and the way that he works. Uh, I heard our youngest boy, Flynn, like he's a scream. I could write a book about all the, the things he says on a daily basis. But he comes out in the middle of um, Taj, his eldest brother, getting in into a bit of trouble, getting a bit of a serve from uh, his mother for some bad attitude, I think it was. Anyway, Flynn pipes up and he says, well, Taj, remember what you often say to me. Jesus is always watching you. Now, I had never heard him say this before. I'm like, where did this come from? Now, Flynn, who's four, he's obviously been taught about this scary, sticky-beaking, smiting Jesus by his big brother, um, who I have to admit has obviously been taught that by somebody else. Um, Benik, it must have been you. Now, I say this to illustrate how easily we develop an understanding um, of who God is and the ways that he works. The problem lies when our belief system is challenged. Uh, to put it another way, it's when our knowledge and our experience don't align. Now, I wonder what belief systems have been possibly challenged in your life. Things that cause you to seriously maybe question your beliefs uh, and possibly your understanding of God and the way he works. Why it is uh, you do the things that you do, etc., now, younger, generation, younger generations are wrestling through things like this more than ever before. Um, being in this information age, they will no longer just take on board whatever their parents or even their pastors might tell them about faith. They explore and research things for themselves in order to draw their own conclusions. And I think this is an important thing and a helpful thing even. But what we need to be careful of is recognising that there is so, so much information out there that we need to make sure we're taking on board uh, the right perspectives, the right information. Well, as we look at this psalm today, and it's Psalm 73, we're actually looking at this very issue of dealing with a crisis of faith. Now, this psalm, you'll see at the top of it, it was written by Asaph. It will also say, you know, this is the beginning of book three in the psalms. You know, this, all these books of the psalms, we saw at the very beginning how they're broken up into these five different sections. Now, this psalm is the beginning of um, book three. And really, it's helpful to know because these are, there's quite a few lament psalms. You know, this, this pouring out anguish and heartache to God. It was a sort of um, reflective of the time when the Israelites were taken into captivity in exile and the uh, Jerusalem was laid waste and the, the temple had been desecrated. So it gives you a snapshot as to where this is all going in the journey of the Psalms. And next week, Sal is going to be preaching from a psalm that's a real heavy lament psalm. And, and it helps to understand why these things were written the way that they were. But for Asaph, the writer of this psalm, who wrote a bunch of the psalms, he was a Levitical priest who ministered in the tabernacle. Uh, he was one of King David's chief musicians. I think he played the cymbals and he was a choir leader as well. Um, but Asaph's descendants continued this important role of ministering in the temple and leading God's people for many, many generations. He was a strong man of faith a committed God follower. But in this psalm, Asaph describes a time when he almost lost 
his faith. His knowledge and understanding of God was not aligning with his experience and it led him to all kinds of doubts. Now, if you've been in this place spiritually, or perhaps you might even be there right now, I want you to know that God is big enough to deal with your doubts, to deal with your questions, whatever it is you might bring to him. It's part of the beauty of these Psalms is it's teaching us in all seasons how it is we can come before God, the kind of language we can use. So God is big enough to deal with this. But even more so, if you turn to God in these times of questioning and even doubting, I believe that God will not just lead you through it, but he will even take you to a place of deeper and stronger faith than before. A.W. Tozer, you know, is a, um, a Christian pastor and author and thinker who's been well respected. And he wrote this quote, a crisis of faith is sometimes necessary to shatter our childish illusions about God and discover who he really is. So don't reject these seasons, um, but just make sure we embrace them with the right mindset and coming to God, not running from God, uh, when you, uh, if you're in the midst of this right now. But anyway, let's dive in to this chapter here. Um, verse 1, let's read from here. Truly, God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping and I was almost gone. For I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. Now the whole dilemma for Asaph is summarized in these first three verses. So verse one, he reveals his belief system and faith regarding God and the way that he works. And here it is. God is good to his own. God is good to his people. If you trust and obey God, you can expect blessing and protection and prosperity, etc. But then in verse 2, he reveals how he almost fell away from this belief. He was on a slippery path. He said, I almost slipped and fell away. And verse 3 really reveals how this happened for Asaph. And he said, by observing the perceived prosperity of the wicked, it caused envy to rise up in my heart. Now, it's interesting to note that Asaph was actually known as well as a seer. Uh, we read this in, in 2 Chronicles 29.30, which means that you know, he had a special view into things that no one else saw because of God's revelation given to him. It's very similar to the way prophets uh, would um, act. And because he was one with special insight and vision, um, people would draw from this special capacity that God had given him. However, this psalm we're looking at today reveals to us the importance of keeping our vision or our eyes on the most important things because it was essentially Asaph's seeing, you know, the things that he focused on that led him into trouble. So to come back to our three different perspectives of eternal, external and eternal perspectives, we can see them all at play here. Asaph knows God is good to his people. It's his, his declaration. It's like his thesis at the start of this chapter. He knows God is good to his people. And this is his eternal or godly perspective. But his slipping away was caused by a combination of internal and external perspectives. He looked at his own life, so this internal perspective, and realized it wasn't as seemingly prosperous as the lives of those around him. An external perspective, looking to those around him. 
which developed into envy and led him down a slippery path. Now, the first half of this psalm um, outlines Asaph's wrestle between this internal and external perspective, this downward spiral in his crisis of faith. And then at the halfway point, something shifts for him. There's his turning point midway through, and Asaph gains a brand new eternal perspective and everything changes. So we're going to read on, we're going to go from verse 4, and this is Asaph um, describing the way of the wicked. And it's like you can hear his frustration of this when he's trying to make sense of it. He said, they seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. They wear pride like a jeweled necklace and clothe themselves with cruelty. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. They scoff and speak only evil. In their pride, they seek to crush others. They boast against the very heavens and their words strut throughout the earth. And so the people are dismayed and confused, drinking in all their words. What does God know? They ask. Does the Most High even know what's happening? Look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. What an intense description of the wicked. He's certainly spent a lot of time analyzing them, having that external perspective. But then he goes on in verse 13 and 14, he says, Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. This is a hard psalm to get your head around. You can, you can hear the turmoil for Asaph. It's almost, you can imagine Asaph saying, This is not how things were meant to work. I don't know what I believe anymore. Does God even care about his people? Can I even trust what God has said? Now, this kind of questioning, it's not rejected by God, as it's you know, something that's echoed quite often throughout Scripture by people in tough circumstances. You know, if you think about Job, who went through all those terrible trials and suffering in Job 10, 23, he said, Does it please you, God, to oppress me? While you smile on the plans of the wicked, again, there's this tension between um, trusting in the goodness of God, knowing God's good to his people, but, but seeing a different picture roll out. And then later, there's another Psalm of Asaph in Psalm 82, and it says, how long will you judge unjustly? This is his accusation against God. God, you're judging unjustly here. And how long will you show partiality to the wicked? Now, these are very bold complaints to make against God. But these psalms, uh, they teach us that if you're in this place, God will not reject you coming to him in this way. Now, I want us to take a moment to consider the danger of these unhealthy perspectives. Now, if we think about external perspectives for a minute, and it's particularly these external perspectives that were demonstrated by Asaph, it was all based around comparison. These external perspectives were based around comparison. Now, as much as we know this is not good, our world, it makes it so very difficult to not fall for this trap of comparison. You think social media for one second and you realize that so many people are constantly comparing themselves and their lives to others. Young people, if I can speak to you again just for a moment, please, please, please be aware of this trap. 
Because a spirit of comparison, it leads you towards a path of envy. And living in envy is not good. Because as we have seen from Asaph's story, envy left him not only completely unhappy with his own life, but it left him questioning his very faith and trust in God. Now, it's not wrong to have an eternal perspective um, in this life towards others, not at all. But instead of it being driven by a spirit of comparison, what we want is to be led by a spirit of compassion towards others. So in our, our external perspectives, we don't want to be led by a spirit of comparison, but rather compassion. And why is this? It's because comparison leads us to envying others, but compassion leads us to encouraging others. What a different scenario. And what's more, when our external perspective is characterized by comparison and envy, it leads to an unhealthy internal perspective where we think less of ourselves and we get depressed. However, when our external perspective is characterized by compassion and encouragement, we simply think of ourselves less and we get blessed by this way of thinking and by this way of living. And when I say blessed, I'm not talking about the common misconception that blessing from God means everything material. God's blessings, they're far, far richer than anything this world can offer. And more than material blessings, God wants us to experience his spiritual blessings. And get this, this wonderful verse in Ephesians 1.3 outlines this for us. He said, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Asaph got caught focusing on material blessings instead of the spiritual blessings to be found in God. It was the difference between being on slippery ground versus being on solid ground. It was looking to that which is temporary instead of that which is eternal. It was living by sight instead of living by faith, which we are called to. It was having an earthly perspective uh, instead of having a heavenly perspective. Now, thankfully, Asaph discovered the secret. He didn't stay in this place. It didn't lead him to a point where he just threw it all in and walked away, fell off the slippery path and threw in his faith. He discovered the secret, which he outlines in the remainder of the psalm. So we read on here from verse 15, and he says, Look, if I had spoken this way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. Sort of saying, like, if I'd gone public with my turmoil, if I was in the middle of it and I was um, telling others, about how I couldn't make sense of it. I could have led them down the same sort of slippery path. She so said, I would have been a traitor to your people. So I tried to understand why the wicked prosper. But what a difficult task it is. In a sense, he was saying, it's impossible for me in my worldly view and perspective to figure this out. But 17, verse 17 here is the absolute turning point because he says, then I went into your sanctuary, O God. And I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Truly, you put them on a slippery path. You send them sliding over the cliff to destruction. In an instant, they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. When you arise, O Lord, you will laugh at their silly ideas as a person laughs at dreams in the morning. 
Then I realized that my heart was bitter and I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. You know, once Asaph entered God's presence, he gained the eternal perspective, developing a clear understanding of the ultimate destiny of the wicked. He could see clearly. Asaph recognized his own folly and then goes on to speak of the Lord's goodness to those who belong to him. So he goes on verse 23, even though he had been in folly, even though he had slipped away, he says, yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Far more than any external comparison or any internal problem, Asaph is able to declare that he has everything that he could ever desire because he has God who is surely good to his own. Coming back to this initial thesis, surely God is good to his people, to his own. Asaph then, in these next two verses, reaffirms his convictions by saying, you know what, those who desert him will perish, for you destroy those who abandon you. But as for me, how good it is to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter, and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. What about you? What perspectives are potentially governing your life at the moment? Perhaps it's an an external perspective of comparison, where the material things of this world have caused envy to rise up on the inside, which only takes you further away from God and the life that he wants you to live. Perhaps you've had a tendency to spend too much time focusing on your own problems, being governed by an unhealthy internal perspective. This perspective magnifies all the things that you don't have and it minimizes all the things that you do have in Christ. Perhaps you're in a crisis of faith at the moment. Perhaps you're questioning and you're doubting and you're not sure how to make sense of everything. Well, like Asaph, don't run from God trying to figure everything out on your own. Run to God in order that you might develop his eternal perspective, leading you to a place of deeper and richer faith than ever before. And as we finish today, uh, we're actually going to listen to the Apostles' Creed, these statements of faith that were put together Uh, many, many years ago that were like a a declaration to know, um, hey, we belong to Jesus. This is our faith. Um, And then we'll sing a song that's got the same sort of statements of faith in it. And we want to do this as a way of remembering that we are a part of something so much bigger, helping us to embrace the idea of an eternal perspective in this life. Uh, Let me pray and then we'll go through this next time together. Oh Lord, I want to thank you for your presence 
in our lives. And particularly, I thank you that even though we might not feel it, even though we might not see it, even though we might doubt and have questions in our, our knowledge and our experience don't align at times, God, I say thank you in faith for your presence that is always with us. You will never leave us nor forsake us, that you continue to lead us and guide us and hold on to us. Lord, it's not that we are holding on to you, but that you are holding on to us. And Lord, regardless of where we might be, the different wrestles we might be um, facing, the challenges, the questions or the doubts or the, the different perspectives that are, that are governing our lives at the moment, we want to come back to you just like Asaph, have a turning point where we enter the sanctuary of our God, where we get alone with you in order that we might uh, embrace your eternal perspective. By your spirit, continue to lead us and guide us and give us your eyes Lord, help us to be not um, governed by, as well, a, a spirit of comparison, but rather a spirit of compassion towards those around us and that we would have your eyes um, as we live this life. We commit ourselves afresh to you. We say we believe in you. We trust you. Uh, we are yours. You are ours. and We love you. And um, thank you that we get to be a part of your kingdom having a relationship with you. We thank you for these things and thank you for the wonderful spiritual blessings that we have in you. We pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you guys.